Hey, podcast audience, it's editor and producer Charlie coming at you with another content warning. Today's episodes deal pretty thoroughly with themes of sexual assault, and we understand that that may be a topic you're not comfortable listening to being discussed at length. If that's the case, please go to the 53 minute and 21 second mark and enjoy the episode. We love you so, so much. Hello and welcome to your mom's podcast, the only podcast that's worth walking out on a date with one of Degrassi's coolest girls. I'm Avis. I'm Caroline. And I'm producer Charlie. And today we're talking about Degrassi, season two, episodes seven and eight, Shout, parts one and two. Given the nature of this two-part episode, we're doing things a little bit differently today. Rather than taking it one episode at a time, we're going to cover Paige's storyline in its entirety and then go over both of the B-plots together. If you need to skip hearing about Paige's storyline, please skip ahead to the timestamp mentioned in the producer's note. All conversation after that point will be trigger-free. We have also chosen to forego the poems this week in order to pay the proper respect to the subject matter. I do also just want to point out that this is a hard episode to talk about. It's a hard episode to watch. And Avis and I are both people who tend to deal with traumatic things with dark humor we are going to try really hard not to do that, but so please bear with us. This is hard for everybody. So Paige is crushing hard on Dean from Bardot, and she completely sidelined Spinner, who has asked her out on a movie date. And at this party, after Paige has blown off Spinner, Paige is assaulted by Dean in an upstairs bedroom. Spinner does make an appearance at that party, by the way. The next day, there is some discussion between Hazel and Paige, and Paige arrives at the conclusion that she was assaulted. And her feelings with that are mixed. She doesn't want to really talk about it, but an opportunity arises for the band PMS from last year to get back together. It's a Pantene commercial, not Pantene commercial, Pantene sponsored. And contest contest for a demo and a trip to LA and of course Ashley becomes involved in this because her lyricism cannot be matched and through Ashley's research about sexual assault she comes up with lyrics that really hit home for Paige and allow her to take back her voice against Dean and the episode ends with Paige visiting um, Miss Sove's office the school counselor. Yeah, so, I mean, this, it's a heavy-ass episode. I feel like we were talking before we started recording about how, you know, trauma's different for every person. Every person has a different experience. And just speaking for myself, Paige's experience is not my experience. And I don't, I do have experiences that are, you know, adjacent. However, I feel like the traumatic nature of Paige's um, arc throughout this episode I really appreciate that once again, in true Degrassi, like after school fashion, they want to tie it up neatly. And I do appreciate the empowerment, but um, I also appreciate that she's seen going into therapy at the end of the episode. I think that's probably one of the most hopeful parts of the episode for me is that she's getting help. Cause I don't know if that's everyone's experience. It certainly wasn't mine necessarily, you know? Yeah, 
No, I was looking at like the episode guide just in plotting our recording schedule and I had forgotten just how how long this storyline actually carries like and -hmm. you're not talking about it every week we're not seeing it but she doesn't really get full resolution or like the full payout doesn't really happen until season three yeah yep and it's still like it's definitely something that I think it's realistic and Degrassi does you know not to get too far ahead but they do realize that breaking out of the format of trying to tie everything up or give the warm and fuzzies at the end of every episode, you know, that's not, while that is good for that arc of the episode, that's not realistic. And then they actually do make an effort to go and like, not even elongate, but, but accurately portray trauma at its different stages. So I appreciate the page. This is not the last we see of pages, you know, struggles against what Dean did to her. And I feel like one of the biggest things I struggled with in this episode I've always struggled with is the portrayal of, you know, Paige being so herself and wanting and flirting and being so love struck. And then that leading to her assault. I think that it's one of those scenarios that we tend to villainize. And it's, I actually appreciate that a character like Paige, that she was the one going through this storyline because she is actually a character who does have a lot of anger, who does have a lot of like alternate behaviors. She's seen as the mean girl. You know, she is not necessarily seen as the perfect victim, uh, so to speak. Well, and it's nowhere near as on par as rape, but it actually really resonated with me because I don't know if I've talked about it on the show or not before, but I had a boss when I worked at a bank who would like come up behind me and pet my hair mm-hmm. Ew. and it was this really weird thing where there was a lot about it that was weird it was like it wasn't you know super creepy inappropriate you know he wasn't mm-hmm. copping a feel and brushing up against me it was happening in front of all of my co-workers and nobody was saying anything oh and he used to like if he saw me outside of work or we were on like a team event a team outing because like we used to go bowling and shit mm-hmm. he would pet my hair and go we're not at work it was weird but also this manager was a very 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 attractive man mm-hmm. and so like over time It got really weird, but at first there was like a week where I was like, oh, this attention is really nice. Right. And it's not the same thing at all. It's not the same as the storyline. It's not the same level as like being raped, but there is that weirdness in like being violated in some way by someone that you find attractive. And that's complete. I think that's super relevant to this episode because Paige ends up blaming herself like that is a real thing that she says like I you know I didn't drink I didn't you know dress like this I didn't go upstairs with them you know like but I appreciate that Hazel's like you know that still doesn't mean that you deserve that or that you asked for it I think she says like I and I mean that's still something that we have to that's so relevant today like that's still something that we talk about like we still blame a woman for, you know, pursuing someone. Sometimes you you don't get that 
you know, personality switch until it's too late. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And people have, you know, attested to seeing someone like physically seeing someone shift in their eyes to someone they were not being before, you know, and Dean went from being a very charming person to, oh, okay, realizing I could take advantage of the situation. When that shift happens, he does also, the way he talks to her really changes up. Mm-hmm. Like it, at, at one end, it's very much like just sort of cocky and confident. And then he, he starts, I guess, love bombing her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot. He yeah. just like really, he fills her with compliments mm-hmm. and, and constant like, oh, you're so adorable. You're so cute. He never calls her by her name. Yeah, because he probably doesn't remember it. He calls her spirit. It's interesting. I hadn't remembered until I was watching, like, when she first goes over and, like, approaches the circle that he's in and is trying to sound like she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. How, like, clearly... I don't know how to articulate it, but he's, like, making fun of her. He is. He is. And... In his tone, in his, like, mm-hmm. facial expressions. I'm like, yeah. It's yeah. antagonistic. Yes. It's clear that he, th- like, he's not playing the same game that she is. He doesn't see her as someone that he's trying to get to know. He sees her as someone he can prey upon. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the reality of it. Like, Paige is seeing it as, you know, I always interpreted the line as, like, oh, I'm this close to mean you know, I'm this close to making a real connection with him and being his girlfriend. Right. She wasn't expecting to have sex with him. She was, she was, she would have made out with, yeah, she would have made, and that would have been fine. I think it's important to say, I think it cannot be said enough. Cause like my mom instilled this shit in me from the time I was like young and it's still like, I found myself in situations where I felt like I couldn't revoke consent you know mm-hmm. absolutely you can she could have gone up to that room thinking you know what this is it i'm gonna have sex with this guy i'm gonna lose my virginity i'm i'm here for it new year new look new page and then gotten to it and decided you know what nope this is more real than i am ready for and it's still well within her rights and the second that she says that he needed to he needed to stop yeah yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you and I'm 100% glad that you said that because absolutely consent can be revoked at any time. If you say no, and that person does not stop, that's right. Like yep. that is 100%. You Unless saying, there's a safe word. It's a broader conversation about consent. But that's that's the sort of thing that is agreed upon ahead of time. Exactly. Right. Really just someone being predatory. And I don't even, I think that it's, she's, he's like maybe two years older than her um, or so. He's like at least maybe 17. But I mean. He might be a senior. And I mean, that's just another big thing about the more the realities of being a freshman in high school and the reality that you're going to school with almost 18 year olds. I was not, I did not, I graduated high school at 17. I entered, I didn't turn 14 until the fresh, until the summer of after my freshman year of high school. Like I've always been the younger one. And to, you know, I did have friends who were 14 years old dating 17 year olds. And that's big, more of a gap than you realize. (laughs) Can I tell a really beautiful story? I love current day teenagers. 
I'm sure some of them are assholes, but a lot of what I see, they're great. Last winter, I took myself to breakfast one day because I wanted to finish my book and get out of the house and whatever. And maybe 15 minutes after I sit down, this group of high school boys sits over like two tables away from me. And I'm trying to just read my fucking book. But of course, I'm nosy. Teenage boys are loud. So I end up hearing one of them talking about their seniors. And one of them is talking about the fact that he's talking to a freshman. Mm -hmm. And I like, I'm old enough now to see like how big of a gap that is. Yeah. And I like felt my like whatever senses tingling and all of a sudden all three of his friends are like what the fuck is wrong with you dude she's 14 (laughs) that's a child leave her alone and it was the most like it it was so beautiful to see it gave me so much like hope for our kids just the fact that high school and i think it's a really big thing in this season the season two you know it takes it up such a notch because yes emma's class is still in eighth grade but Paige's mm-hmm. class is in ninth grade and they're all in the same school with, you know, think about it. 12 year olds are in the same school with almost 18 year olds or 18 year olds. Right. And it's, that is why they like, you know, you can Paige, someone like Paige can meet someone like Dean at a soccer game. It's perfectly legit. They're, he's playing on his school's team, but he's so much more advanced than her he's talking about shit she doesn't know what electro slash is but she's so like trying to date up and you know has all of these ideas about what being in high school means coming out of that idea of being so young and crossing paths with someone attainable you know they go to the same similar they go to the same high school or not the same high school they Um, their high schools meet and they're in the same division and shit like she sees this guy because he plays on a soccer team that a peer of hers plays on that she cheers for you know it's it's the proximity it's it's so season two like we're not gonna get any of this in season one like we're in the big leagues now I think with this episode in particular a thing that I noticed that I liked but that also like it felt weird and almost mm-hmm. unrealistic, but also felt very on brand for Paige, as like yeah. fucked up as she was over this, was that her wardrobe didn't change at all. That I I really I wanted I'm glad you brought that up because that was such a thing. Like, you know, when planning this episode, I know we said off the top, you know, that we wanted to be respectful to Paige's storyline and, you know, not do it as we normally do it. But the what you know, there had to be special deference paid to the fashion and in Paige's storyline because it is just on point. And it's she is yes. such a character who is not going to let not even let. She's not she she's gonna continue to dress. You know, it's not about letting anything. It's like she like through everything, she's still gonna come to school and, you know, serve the look. And she is in every single shot. I really think they forgot about Hazel because they would dress her the same way three times. In every single shot, Paige is serving looks. We're gonna talk about Paige's outfits during the storyline in Fashion Corner just because she is serving looks all episode long. But what what I was talking about more was just like, I think that it was an interesting choice because like there's a degree to which like Paige's fashion since last season has been her trying to figure out being sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's most of the time you can see her belly. 
and which is i don't know like it's just like she's showing skin where she can Mm -hmm. which is fine but i think that it's interesting especially given how she's she's like well i went upstairs with him and i flirted with him all night and whatever Mm -hmm. that like she's still wearing her little bit or midriff tops the next day i don't know if i'm making sense but it just you know what i mean no like, I you're you're 100 like... making sense she is still um she is not covering up being assaulted did not and, and you know even blaming herself for her sexuality as blossoming as it is you know blaming herself for that and coming on to him she's still like you know i don't know if it's something that they thought about like you know as deeply as maybe we're thinking about it but it could be something they were like no let's you know she's still going to be Paige. She's still going to be that right. what she was before in terms of her sexuality. She is not going to regress in her sexuality right. because she was assaulted. And I think that's definitely an empowering thing that the show decided to, to do, whether or not it was through just like wardrobe was just like, we're not going to put her in a hoodie. We're not going to do it. <laughs> like wh- whoever made that decision, you know, regardless, right. I, th- right. I still think it's very powerful that she is literally, you know, like you said, popping up the next day with one of the most iconic outfits of the season, having to put on sort of battle armor to be the queen bee every day. And, you know, that could definitely give her empowerment. You know, everything is kind of shifted mentally for her, but she still got the control over her wardrobe and the way that she's presented and you know maybe that's all she has control over but that's still something that hits with me too because I a lot of times like less so now because I don't feel the need to like dress for battle but like there have definitely been points in my life where my clothing is armor and like it may be that it's you know like a fun floral print or whatever or some cutesy sweater skirt combo but like it's giving me the like whatever it is the bright and the whimsy and the whatever it is that I need to push through whatever bullshit I'm dealing with one thing I think I do want to mention about Hazel other than the fact that she's, you know, an outfit repeater is that she does get Paige to admit to herself that she was raped. Hazel is amazing in this episode, honestly, except for her singing. Except for her singing. Thank you. Like, that's an important note. (laughs) And I know that I can hear that they told Andrea to just not sing well, because damn, that's yeah. like there's no way she her voice I can hear like I can hear the voice under it you have to be a good singer to sound that bad intentionally yeah but I really think that that's one of the things that when they want to you know they're still utilizing Hazel as a plot device because of course someone has to make her realize it but I think that it's so obvious it can't be anyone else but Hazel to get her to come out and actually, you know, have to confront her with, if you said no, that's rape. It could have been, but I don't know if it could have been that early on. It wouldn't have come. It wouldn't. It couldn't. It wouldn't have been that early on, and it couldn't have come in the same way. But like, it would if if they you could, could have out, totally forgotten the Hazel part and just had the Ashley song. I think you could have. I think it maybe wouldn't have been as believable for me because they're just not. Mm-hmm. You know, they are old friends. But I just think that the way that Paige, it, you know. It wouldn't be like the the conversation it was with Hazel at all. It would be Ashley writes her song 
Paige gets mad about it. And in getting mad about it, she figures it out. Yeah. Right. She would figure it out, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't be the whole, I didn't want to do it, Hazel. Hazel. Right. Because she's actually like, you know, I didn't want to do it. Like it wasn't all, it wasn't sweet. It wasn't, and it was, it's over. She even gets nasty with Hazel and, you know, I'll change seats if you don't shut up. Like, you know, like there's still, there's Hazel trying to be like, oh, it was a sweet, you know, thing. And, even though they're someone who knows a little bit about, you know, the the signs of someone being abused might hear her saying that before she actually says it, might hear those warning signs and the things she was saying and her distress and like unsure about, you know, she's not even able to say it. I love Hazel after, like after they've had that initial conversation, once she knows what's going on, like mm-hmm. when they're in the music room the first time with Terry, who suddenly knows how to play bass, spectacularly so yeah she does because pms was never was they had that backing track that's what they had that that mr simpson you know produced (laughs) on a casio like this on the computer you know whatever you know and terry doesn't know she's just it's new year new terry she's trying to stick up for herself more which was immaculate it was so great and i mean even though i'm like uh you know terry but i, I she love didn't you, but... know like no no not she... towards Paige. i'm just saying she still like it's like i want you to stand up all the time like this right. <laughs> not just against Paige, because like you know Paige sometimes deserves it but you know everybody gives you their ass to kiss i want you to stand up immaculately for yourself all the time terry but yeah right but the way that hazel is like immediately there to mediate yeah and be like no let's not like and kind of save Paige from having an outburst yes and yeah i think and hazel is you know the second fiddle obviously uh obviously to Paige, but i really do think they utilize her in this episode to just be i feel like she does important emotional work for Paige in a way that, you know, she wouldn't have, if she didn't have, she would have had to learn over, over time versus getting it, getting that conversation about it, not being her fault, no matter what she wore, no matter what she did, you know, that she said no, and he raped her. And I think that that's, that's some Olivia Benson, Benson shit, like right, right off the gate. Like you need to, you need that, like, this is not your fault. And of course, Ashley would have, you know, I believe there's that similar conversation. Right. But they're just not. And, and I mean, it's it's good that it comes from someone she's not actively friends with, obviously. It's just a little different. too, though, that, like, she does go to Ashley. Mm-hmm. Right, you to know, save and the not group. That she's like, but, like, I think there's some part of her that knows that Ashley's going to bring something that she needs to the table. Oh, 100%. And it's like, there is still that vulnerability that she shows that makes, you know, that, you know, maybe if they were a little bit closer at that point, Ashley would have realized, okay, why is Paige talking to me about wanting to wanting real stuff, pain, you know, abuse? Why does she want a song about that? But Ashley's just like, research let me get my you know like now I can write a well fleshed out song and but you know it does eventually lead to that but I think that vulnerability and Paige coming and being like yeah I want to talk about the band and subject matter that's deep and everything can I just say too that's frustrating to me and like I I get it because Ashley is like 
Ashley is somebody who like wants to be a writer and wants to be tortured and really doesn't have anything that bad happen to her. And I think like this scene actually is one of the like led to me hating Ashley is like how excited she is about what she's learned. Mm-hmm. And like on one hand, I can totally like sympathize and relate to or empathize or whatever with that. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I watch it I'm just like oh, like it, it's, it's painful. It it's cringe. It it showcases her ignorance mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in in the situation. Mm-hmm. I I do want to kind of push back a little. I actually for the most part really like how Ashley kind of fits into this storyline how they have that conversation at the end where where Ashley learns like without explicitly being told like oh mm-hmm. oh Paige has been raped mm-hmm. and I think it also kind of the way that Ashley acts also makes sense for somebody who feels like she's been ousted by a person who used to be a friend it it makes more sense that she wouldn't necessarily key into something is wrong with Paige right. or something Absolutely. happened to Paige. Absolutely. Right. No, definitely. The, right. No, I like, yeah, I agree with that. I like I Ashley that. in this episode. It's just more I that, do like, like that moment yeah. speaks to the overall stuff that I don't like about Ashley. We'll get to that. But Ashley shines in this episode. She is someone who helps Paige come to terms with her trauma. And if it was not for that song that she wrote while researching on the motherfucking internet, you know, Paige would not have the lyrics and the voice that she needs to act, you Mm -hmm. know, to accurately speak out against Dean, who's just conveniently in the crowd of this, you know, show that they're performing at to get these, the demo recording for in LA. You know, I'm just like, I I always thought that was like a mirage or like a dream. And (laughs) every time I watch the episode, I'm like, he was really there. He's really there. And I mean, you know, that's just how Degrassi works sometimes. But I I do think that Ashley fits into the episode nicely because only she can research something and then write lyrics so powerful. Um, and giving Paige a voice to, you know, empower herself to get herself help. Yeah. You know? And like walking her into like her first therapy session. Like, no. And yeah. I think Absolutely. I think that does speak to Ashley's character too, that she steps outside of all the shit with her and Paige. Yes. To be like, does. no, you are a person who has been through something traumatic and you need people to be here. And I'm in your corner, at least on this thing. Yes. No, I think Ashley really shines in this episode. Mm-hmm. But a thing that I noticed that kind of bugged me is when Paige and Terry are entering the contest, they have to give a song name. Mm-hmm. And they do, and it's Poor Girl. Oh. And at this point, Ashley yeah, has Ashley they, has they know nothing of Ashley's It's going to be Terry's They're poem. They're to base it on Terry's poem, which That's Paige hasn't even heard yet. Yeah. So that was interesting to me, but... Yeah, you know, you can't change it with Pantene, so you got to look into the future and um, you got to see what you're eventually going to do in time Apparently. to submit it for, for the contest. You didn't know, Caroline? That's how it works. I did not know. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. I love that contest scene. I mm-hmm. It makes me cry every single time. And like, like those like, get goosebumps. Yeah. Like, not, it's not like happy tears, but it's like 
cathartic inspired and cathartic yeah. and you're just yeah. like yeah Paige I love do I not love that emotional it's like emotional release too I got chills as yes. soon as Paige started up when I was and that was first watch through it was really mm-hmm. really powerful yeah yes there is one thing I want to talk about a little bit I do also want to give the show as the whole uh on the whole credit for how they handle openings with these two episodes both both parts the the first part in the opening is all on a soccer game and the way it's filmed is very you could say dreamlike it's Mm -hmm. kind of slow-mo kind of choppy and i knew that it was going to be heavy i didn't know at first that this was the rape episode Mm mm-hmm but as soon as episode one started, I, I remember just going like feeling like, oh, something is very off. Yeah. Something is very wrong here. It is eerie, isn't it? Yeah, it's very eerie. And then when part two starts out and everything's in blue filter, Degrassi's when they do their dream sequences and their fantasy sequences. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that one in particular, it opened and again, it was just like something is very wrong here. Mm-hmm. This is not when when did this become an episode of SVU? Yeah, yeah. well, the blue filter, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it, they use it well. It doesn't feel yeah. ham handed. It, it, it does what it's supposed to do is yes. it brings you into that that anxiety and fear yeah. and no, these two episodes are really well done in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Even the, like the opening one. The cinematography does a great job of telling you like something is different this episode. Right. It's yeah. a shift from like, you know, I mean, and they're both just Paige's psyche. Like, even though she's she's daydreaming in the first one and uh, first part. And then in the second part, she's having a nightmare. And, you know, I think that I, I was getting like Nightmare on Elm Street vibes, like like it was giving me, you know, this is a very and then she wakes up with sweat on her brow like she's she's been genuinely, you know, being tortured through her dreams. And I, I'm glad that you brought up the, you know, just the way they decided to intro us into the episodes, both of them. They're very strong entrances. Yeah, and it's like that's why it's like Paige's storyline does stand apart because it's so you know hazy. It's like she's out of it, even though you know she's looking normal. It's it's definitely a little off. All of her scenes are just a little bit off. And it it also showcases like how very intentionally you guys saying daydream. It showcases like how intentional they how intentionally they juxtapose those two openings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yes. no, it's... somebody did a good job. <laughs> so whose who's job would that be? <laughs> the Everyone. director of photography. Cinematographer, cinematographer. Yeah. It's just, it's smart. No, it's you know, really it's very good. smart storytelling for kids, too, because it's like, the, you know, they're very strong concepts. You don't even need to... It, it's so traumatic to watch the scene where Paige is, is raped because it's not Dear even God. that they show anything. They actually don't, you know, for those of you who did not watch this episode, what they do is they show Dean with a condom and unbuckling his belt. And it's, you know, essentially you hear Paige, you know, saying, no, I, I don't think so. Like, no, no, but it pans away from 
the and actual you see, like the, out the window into yeah, the party and the party you see the which, party which I think specifically really, you see spinner you see spinner, you see spinner? It, it, he's yeah, been at the, the gate yes, at the party. yes it, it's yeah. like it's like the same sort of shot as when hazel told her that spinner was there it's like he's hanging in the same jet it's like I, I really think it's one long take that they just split up because it's literally he's in the same place and he's just interacting with people in the party um mm -hmm. towards the front of the party like he just got there yeah specific yeah it's very but you don't need any more than that it's very traumatic to watch because of yeah just the acting you know uh, the acting is very like it, it, like you said it's not over the top there's no ham fist ham fistedness it's just very real mm -hmm. and act and very delicately handled because i don't think that you need any there's no like exploitation of the actress she's portraying something very uncomfortable in a way that you you get no matter how old you are you know I, I watched this episode maybe when I was you know a little bit older 13 but I always understood and it always traumatized me to like rewatching it is just like damn it speaks really well to how again kind of from the cinematography to the subject matter they take this episode very seriously mm -hmm. and they take this subject very seriously from start to finish no i'm ex not excited but i am excited charlie to, for you to kind of watch this arc play out and to like yeah. get to experience you experiencing it it's a it's definitely a great arc and i think that you know just i haven't rewatched from you know beginning to I feel like purposefully in a, in a little bit maybe since the pandemic so for me that's enough time to <laughs> be like surprised at things <laughs> so I am definitely excited to watch you Charlie watch this arc because it's so you know it's not even it's just s such a realistic portrayal of how things go and you know your heart breaks for Paige from the moment it happens and it doesn't stop you know it's mm -hmm. well and I love I love at the end of the two-parter, it it shows a really, it does a really good job of showing what trauma is like in uh, Ashley's walking Paige to counseling. And Ashley asks Paige, are you ready? And all Paige really has to say is as ready as I'll ever be. It doesn't, it doesn't end it. It very clearly showcases a, a, t a there's more, there's more. This isn't over. This isn't done. This isn't mm -hmm. a very special episode that's been wrapped with a nice bow right here at the end this this is just this chapter the scene when Paige comes to ashley to ask her to write the song and how like dramatic ashley is when she like turns her back and plays a couple of sad notes on the piano and like <laughs> looks down for a minute oh my gosh it's it, <laughs> it's the drama it's the a choice thing. Yeah, choices were made. So many curtains, and that in we that start room. with the Vaseline filter with Paige walking up on. Yes, every time they do that, I'm like, "Am I having a stroke?" It's we're a, talking it's about that. Yeah, a little bit we, in the pre-show. Yeah, like it's. I mean, it's a weird remastering bullshit. Thanks HBO. I don't know if the quality is the same on Tubi because I refuse to watch on Tubi when I pay for HBO, but. Um, <laughs> it's definitely I like, like to watch on TV because it seems to be better. I I can't in good conscience continue to pay for HBO. No, I'm joking. Um, I it it's a problem. I, it doesn't happen in every episode, but it I mean not every episode. It doesn't happen in every like frame or scene, but it's very apparent the quality 
looks like smeared Vaseline on the lens. Um, that's just a pro it's, if it bothers you, it bothers me too. We're <laughs> both bothered by it, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, uh, so one thing I will discuss, um, people don't want to talk about the actor, um, who played Dean. They don't want to talk about him. And I just want to say this actor did a phenomenal job. He comes back. He does another phenomenal job. He comes back and I think he does another phenomenal job. And I mean, he's not, he's a great actor. I don't think that, I think that he did a lot of a, a hard portrayal, but I don't necessarily think that it's fair to demonize the actor. No, it's not fair to demonize For doing so, doing such a great job. And, ma and like, if you hate him, it's because he did such a great job um, mm -hmm. portraying such a, a hateful person. That's not easy. I, at least I wouldn't imagine it to be easy. So I think I just wanted to say that because I've found that it's such a weird thing. It's like, no, you know, that actor is allowed to go on and play other things and do other things and be charming and everything. Like, that was part of his character to be charming until he wasn't, you know. And I think he did a fantastic job and it's like kind of separating, you know, the actor from the character. No, I, I, I can, I can honestly say it's, there is a, there's a stark difference between playing a villain who is exaggerated in being villainous versus doing something realistic. I, I've had a role where that happened. And as soon as it got real, my comfort level and everything just it changed it's it's not the same what at was all those that? That callahan callahan for the most part is like really cartoony in that musical and then there's the scene where he forces a kiss which isn't like big but it was a subject i was not comfortable doing and i had to be told like you have to be a dick yeah. for this to clarify, Charlie is talking about uh, the show Legally Blonde, the musical, in which he once yeah. played Professor Callahan, who's oh, the nice. professor that makes a pass at Al. Well, you being really, and it really Legally Blonde, the musical, not the forcing kiss part, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it and it it really was like, except for that scene, it was a very fun role for me. It was kind of the like this is my Disney villain moment. And then the second it got real, right. Even a little bit was, was it's hard to push yourself into that headspace or into that kind of a role. Right. And I mean, playing evil is fun because I think evil and like, like cartoonish evil, like you said, like, you know, someone like the queen of hearts, she is a cartoonish evil person. And I think it'd be really fun to play her, but like being a human monster it hits too close to home. And I think that it's extremely easy to just be like, I, that person makes me uncomfortable when they're acting. So I just don't want to look at them at all. Like, I don't care anything else they did. They're tainted. You know, he's like, that's like the act. That's basically Dean's actor. He didn't actually he's rape not, anyone. Our, you know, you know, that's I'm never. Like, and, that's and honestly, I think that's important. I think like we've moved away from it substantially, but I think even still, like there's this almost like there's this picture a lot of people have of rape of it being like a stranger in an alley and some creepy gross guy and whatever and like no it's the hot guy on the other school soccer team right and yeah, like Clinton's rape is a thing it's a very prevalent thing you know random crime it happens but honestly it's most likely to be someone you know right uh, she he is he's not the kind of guy who is trying to be a brute. 
he is not going to be a brute until he's going to be a brute, you know, like till he's until forcing he himself he on you until he can get it right. He's behind closed doors. He's telling her to whisper, well, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't need to grab you in a dark alley. He doesn't need to. Exactly. And he's charming. Like, yeah, she wouldn't have gone upstairs with him if he looked like Toby. Yeah, there's literally, like, but think like, about, <laughs> don't damn Toby. Don't yeah, Toby. Love Toby you, Jake Goldsby. Cute. But it's just, he, it's a, I get what you're saying. It's a different sort of vibe. Like, think about, you know, not to bring it to other properties, but think about tween shows where girls are chasing, you know, boys they find hot. Like, you know, there are, I, I forget the guy in um, Lizzie McGuire that Ethan. is, Ethan Kraft is such, he's such a fucking airhead, but Lizzie is so, really? is chasing him around town and, and, you know, falling over herself in pursuit of Ethan Kraft. They all do. And it's like, you know, we don't blame that sort of pursuit. It's seen as a part of growing up and, you know, you're into boys and you're mall stalking and everything. And like, that's, that's, that's what Paige is doing. She right. finds and him like, attractive and she's like shooting her shot. Like she's not, none of that and was leading to, to what she thought it was. Luck of the draw. Ex it, thank you. It's, and any other, I feel like in other hand, I don't, I don't know any statistics. I'm not claiming to. No, but, but like how many situations I can't, like there have been so many times in my life looking back where like, it was just luck that I made yeah, it out okay. that you, and right. of it wasn't, Plenty of it wasn't even me doing what you, anything particularly what you did. risky. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's, shit, just, just being like a young woman in my 20s and like spending the night on a guy friend's couch because I don't feel yep. safe driving home. Yep. Every time I woke up and hadn't been raped, that was mm -hmm. just luck. Yes. Like. Yeah. And I mean, it's. It's tough and to think about wrong. it like, that yes, way, but yeah, couch. yeah, right. It's tough to think about it that way, but that's literally, I think that's kind of what this episode is saying that it's not like Paige didn't do anything wrong, you know, like saying, oh, you know, you need girls being told, oh, you need to not get raped versus, you know, people at large being taught do not rape do not sexually assault is right. the problem with you know and it's still the problem because pay it, it doesn't matter if like you said Paige was going up in there read she read cosmo not cosmo girl she read her some cosmo and she was like i'm gonna go up there and fuck if she decided mm -hmm. i don't want to do that anymore and she's whatever level of in you know undress she is allowed to say no and she is her wish should be respected because her consent was revoked. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a hundred percent on Dean for continuing yeah, no, to, to, is to going rapist. forward. He and you know, there's many different kinds of rapists. He's just not the kind of rapist that sneaks through your window or grabs you in an alley or you know, kidnaps you or whatever. He, he, no, he's, he's still a rapist. Kind of rapist. Right. He's the more com you know, the guy who's gonna take advantage and of you. He you he know, like she was drinking also, so he got her an alcoholic drink. She did not ask for an alcoholic drink. He just got her one. And, you know, she's obviously shocked by it because she takes a drink and coughs, you know, it's, it, she was not, you, there was ways that he escalated the situation. And there was stuff that like, he didn't even do like Spinner showing up. 
No, yeah, there's stuff that he didn't even do. Like, let's go in. Let's go up. Like, yes. And it's one of those things where it's like, like, okay, yes, technically speaking, she probably, he probably would not have raped her that night if she Mm -hmm. hadn't gone upstairs with him. But probably he would have been like, oh, yeah, I can put some, a little bit of effort into this. And Mm -hmm. yeah, he would have, like, because that's the guy he was, he would have done it eventually. And, and, there are hopefully plenty of guys in the world, even when you're in that age range, who you could have gone upstairs with at a party. And even if they did think you were going upstairs to fuck them, as soon as you were like, no, they would be like, oh, okay. Okay, right. Or right. at worst, do that thing that guys do where they're like, you know, they'll go back to making out for a while and then be like, are you And then try again, one? yeah. Which, like, don't do that <laughs> either. either. That's cute. shitty too. Annoying that somebody is... into consenting is not consent. Right. Pressured consent is like, you shouldn't have to pressure. It should be an enthusiastic yes. It should not be a, yes. you know, uh, you know, like if you're not getting thumbs up, man, do you really want it? I'm right. sorry. Like personally, I like I like to be very clear. Like, are we doing this? We right? both wanted like, yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's definitely like you said, the fact that Dean, as soon as he saw that he could get away with it and he saw the opportunity present itself, he did it. It's not because of what Paige did, it's because of what he did. He right. would have done it if the circumstances had been different i mean if the circumstances had been different and Paige, you know never went upstairs with him there would have been another opportunity for right. him to prey upon or her another and, girl or another girl he right like there's i think there's insinuated that he assaulted the other girl or at least overstepped his boundaries with the other girl at the party because of the way that she's saying he no that's exactly what they're saying there. right you know saying like yeah. obviously in 2000s it reads very like oh girls are competing against each other but i think that we're a little bit more you know there are still girls like that but i think that there's a a little bit more of an evolution now where we're like, okay, she was just trying to offer protection or at least advice. And it didn't come across the right way. I don't know if she phrased that like, oh, you're li- it's a little, he's a little old for you. It was a little patronizing. Right. I, it's obviously what she was trying to say. The scene probably would have been written differently as in she wouldn't have been so, you know, he's too old for you rather. Okay. You know, he's a creepy ass guy. And, you know, you don't need to be around a creepy ass guy. Just, you know, that sort of thing. Because I don't know how much better she would have responded to it. But then there would have been more of a communication on her part. And I do think that's what that character was for. Like you said, like to give a warning of some kind. Right. Well, and it's like, what really can she do in that situation? Okay. You don't know this girl. You're at a party surrounded by people. Older people. Well, no, she's like Dean's age. I'm talking about the girl warning page, not page. Like you can't, you can't just say in the middle of a party, Dean raped me. Dean right. is a soccer star who's dreamy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, like, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Like, she, I don't know. It's an impossible situation. And like, it is. It's yeah, hard. she. I mean, it's, it's very hard. I don't think that her, you know, even if she had come up and said, he's a creep ass creep. And he's creeped on me. And I don't think that you should get, you know, I think that you should watch out for him. I don't know, you know, that's about as good as she could have managed it, but I still don't know that that would have done anything. Oh, we didn't, we didn't mention Spinner's whole role in the episode at all. 
We can we can do that now. I figured that that a little bit like he's just kind of part. I figured that would fall into the plot synopsis a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, this I feel like the only scene that you know made me a little bit like cringe is just you know obviously the biggest scene he's in is how's your grandma you know and she's like huh it's like your grandma that was yeah. sick and you know it was like uh don't touch me don't ever touch me and he says why everybody else gets to and oh you yeah know, that fucking That's... train wreck of a scene and yeah, then she no. smacks the shit out of him and he just stands there well and he doesn't know he and of course based on doesn't what know he knows what he's heard been told by jimmy knows, yeah he has reason to be mad mm-hmm. i think he still crosses a line oh he 100 percent. he steps right over that line in a, i mean but like in a very in in i feel like in his eyes justifiable way because they had made plans to mm-hmm. go on in his mind it was a date in her mind it was not a date <laughs> so there's the big discrepancy you know she's telling hazel i want to date up he is telling jimmy you know i know that she liked me or no jimmy's like yeah you're in there and you knew she liked you he's like i'm scoring you know more than goals or whatever and it's very much different <laughs> different feelings and that's why his feelings are just too damn strong and Paige don't have yeah. it's it's miscommunication and a lack of communication in action and, yeah. and not to fault any of the parties for that. I, I agree that Spinner overstepped a boundary, but I also wouldn't say he was entirely unjustified in how he acts. No, I don't think he's entirely unjustified. Um, the, in the, the setting, in the, in the... terrible choice. Even, even without the context, I would rather Spinner not be the kind of guy who feels that kind of ownership to Paige's body or anybody's body. I think the emotions. But he's also a 14-year-old. Right, he's like he's... a 14-year-old, and the emotions and the... Like, he's also... He's, like, yeah. going through feeling like a jock for the first time. Like, he's watched Jimmy feel like, you know, on his jock stuff now. He's like, oh, I, I'm with Jimmy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm popular. Like, I obviously, I should be with Paige. Like, that's just the natural thing. And his emotions are so tied up in now being confident enough to ask Paige out. And I mean, the rejection at first, it's like, okay, something's genuinely wrong. Her grandmother's sick, but then realizing you were just stood up and lied to anybody would react, you know, but as an adolescent, you can't be reasonable about it. You can't be like, Oh, okay, well, fuck them. You know, it's all those emotions boil over. And then you hear that she was doing some shit at the party you were at, you know, like I, I definitely get his emotions. I don't like his execution was just not because even confronting someone like that, you, like you said, you don't have any ownership over her body. Even if you guys went out on a couple of dates that doesn't, and even if you were dating, that doesn't mean that you can talk to her that way. I think it's very much just a result of him feeling so insecure about his, about where his social standing is and yeah. his confidence in himself. It's very Napoleon sort of like. <laughs> An- another thing I really like in the theming of this two pack is how there's a handful of moments when Hazel touches Paige where Paige isn't expecting it. Once when she sneaks up on her and it, and it scares Paige. And then again, at the end of episode one, when she's 
kind of helps Paige realize she's been raped where she just touches her shoulder. And in both instances, Paige like jerks and pulls away. And it's not until Ashley goes to console her that she's actually willing to accept that. And I just, I appreciated that another bit of the way the story is told. I think it's interesting, you know, as you get older, like there are friend friendships where you just fizzle out. There are friendships where you have like a full on blowout. Mm-hmm. But, but there's something to be said about if I loved you once, like there is a part of me that loves you always. Right. Definitely. Um, and you know, Hell, there are even people in my life that I cannot be a big enough person to be like, you know what? I hope that they figure their shit out. I'm just like, I want them to be unhappy and reap everything that they've sown. But still, if they experience something traumatic and there was like, I was in the position to be the person to offer comfort, of course I would. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think that's a a highlight of the episode is just like, you know, people who are not friends anymore still, uh, you know, coming together in a because time when it's really needed. That bullshit. Right. Right. Ashley is a huge part of Paige's, you know, coming to terms with what's going on with her. Well, and they're kind of okay again after this, I feel like. Like, they're not like friends. They're not friends. There's just not the animosity that there yeah. was. Yeah. All right, so we are not talking rape going forward. Yeah, we are done speaking about Paige's storyline and any specifics. We are specifically going into the B-plot now, which is fucking ridiculous. We are actually <laughs> going to take a brief detour. Oh, to the to fashion corner. <gasps> into oh, your right. favorite corner. The fashion corner. Yeah, so, um, of course... I feel like the the best way to start it off is with Paige herself, and she's got a white collared V-neck on. It's blue. When they go shopping. When they go shopping, yes, and then it's the studded belt. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the complimentary and she, it's, studded no, belt. No, it's grommets, and she's got grommets. Gr- thank you for that know. word, grommets. I was I was You're saying welcome. metal stamps, Wallace, but grommets. Wallace that is the grommets. word. That is, yep, yeah, yes. And I was giving, I was getting JLo vibes, like, you mm-hmm. know, very, her hair is up in, um, you know, high ponytail and she's got one of those crocheted white headbands on and it's very, you know, it's very LA. I love it. And then we go on to Paige and Hazel's complimentary cheetah party ensembles. I hate Paige's outfit. I, I mean the off the, so here, I like elements of Paige's outfit. I like the off the shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. I like the belly. I don't like the ruffles and I don't, I don't like the like lace. The ruffles, and I don't like the way that the like cheetah print works into the, like, I don't like the it. pattern, the overall, yeah, the overall pattern. Yeah. I want to say, I don't, I don't think it's her color. Mm-mm. No, I, it doesn't, it doesn't work well with her skin tone. And I think that it and washes her. It doesn't wash her out, but it's just not complimentary. There's something about like the ruffles that is like, even with the bare shoulders and the belly, it's mm-hmm. giving it's fucking little house on the prairie. It is. 
It is. And I and mean, I Hazel's, like Hazel's isn't much better, but for what I think is I like that they, that they dressed, you know, so complimentary that they look they like went bookends. shopping together. Right. Hazel's, I don't know. I think Hazel's looks better. Like Hazel's look better, looks better for her body type, especially because I like that it's short. The color um, and her legs, great. her legs look great. Yes, her, and the hair. I think with mm-hmm. so no, much Hazel looks really cute. Ruffle um, that having your hair up, maybe having her hair up would have helped, but it does give. Now I'm not going to be able to unsee it. It does give Little House mm-hmm. on the Prairie because her hair is flowing of you know her her luscious yeah. locks, and then she's got ruffles, and they're brown ruffles, and what you know with a lot of interesting white trim. A lace trim with like yeah but, and it's it's not like lace it's like eyelet eyelet yeah yeah it's it's a lot going on and i hate it um, i also it's also just not a cute dress i also yeah, have the little it's two-piece. not it's she's got way better looks mm-hmm. which to a degree i would i almost think includes her like all brown outfit oh yeah except, i have oh i have I have a couple before that. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, I wanted to highlight Hazel's like orange eye makeup, her golden orange eye makeup, but I don't like Hazel and Terry's basically matching peasant blouses. They look, they both look really, again, like colonial, you know, like it's, it's, it's giving very, well, no, not, it's giving frontier not colonial it's giving frontier um and i don't like <laughs> i don't like them but then oregon yes it is, it's or yes giving oregon trail but i don't i feel like Paige's iconic because i do i think it's one of the most iconic outfits of this season just the brown outfit i don't think it looks as i don't i don't think it's as not as um like complimentary to her as the other brown outfit and maybe because it's a light brown but the dark brown i don't hate on her complexion i think it's fine i i thought it kind of looked black i want so badly to like that outfit because i think that there's a lot that's really cute about it i like the mm-hmm. cut where like it's not full bare midriff it's like just right, her hips. That, yeah yeah the brown on brown works but the they're sides. like leather kind of pants the sides look like a bunch of deodorant stains to me. Yeah, I was gonna say like they're um I call them like white, you know, details down the the rib cage. I don't mind it. I, I don't know why my brain thought it was on her pants, like that faded look, that faded white look on the pants, um, versus it being on her shirt. Um, I don't I don't mind it. I think that I don't know why they chose to dress her in so much brown this episode, because I really don't think that she's dressed in brown like that before, but I think I, I was thinking about this while we were on the deep dive. Uh, I think that might be her equivalent of dressing in over baggy clothes. Okay. But like, that's a, that's not necessarily dressing. Hmm? She wears brown to the party fair she um she i I, I feel like it's a i i like the outfit i don't hate it i I just i wish that it didn't have the details on the sides okay you don't like the i mean i don't mind the details on the sides otherwise i think it's a great outfit yeah i think it's a like you know i think everything down to like the loose curls in her high ponytail is very it's a very cute outfit yeah no i 
fully agree. I but, love you this know, page look. I just the details, the, the details on the side. You're not dealing. You're not feeling. It looks like deodorant sins to me. I just can't. Yeah. Uh-uh. I love Hazel in the music room serving Daphne from Scooby Doo. Thank you. Oh my god! Like you the colors like are it? All... all I could think. But I like, like I'm glad someone so... likes that. I d- I don't. I was gonna call it a fashion thing. It's it's not a good outfit to me. But it's that not was all a good I could outfit. But like I like the. I still think Hazel looks cute in it somehow. She does look cute in it. I just don't. I don't understand where her her penchant for like fucking scarves came from. I'm just like because what, she's got the polyps. I know the pot like she's got something on her. She's got something to rub on her she's, throat. And she no, like what? You... She, she wants to make sure her throat's not cold. No, like yeah. Didn't you like worry? Okay, I don't know. I was in like competitive choirs and shit, and mm-hmm. like fucking soloists being like I have to protect my voice and they would like leading up to shows wear a little scarf around their throat and just drink like hot scarf water and tea. Listen, and tea. It, okay so the hot water and tea yeah. because just because I was in high school theater um, and we had uh, a number of people at any given time blow their fucking voice out because they were doing too much and yeah. um you know there especially even you know when you're a lead i was never a lead. i was usually an ensemble but um we had a couple times where our lead like lost her voice and had to be put on like a strict you know warm uh you know hot tea and honey and all that shit and lemon because like bitch but i've never heard of the scarf around the neck i figured it was for that reason but i'm just like you are just so (laughs) extra it's (laughs) okay so what it is is like it is it's very extra it's okay so she's serving daphne but i just realized it she is also serving rachel berry from glee oh my or Rachel Berry serving her because right because <laughs> because Rachel Berry is the girl who wears a scarf around her throat and only that drinks hot water with honey and lemon leading up to regionals or whatever and i think that's part of what i like about it is like i just i like what they're telling us about hazel yeah. with this costuming and i do think like it's not a good look but she rocks it it's memorable to me and it portrays exactly who it's trying to portray. Because when we get to the music room, I think that a couple of mine are before the music room because I went a little heavy. I mean, it's a very great fashion episode. But, oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, go So on. Terry's horizontal striped skirt, It's like it looks like patchwork kind of, but I think it's she one of the more that, decent outfits they give her. She wore that to the dance in season one. Is that why I like it so much? Uh-huh. Terry... You can't just wear a dance outfit to the school and she like is an outfit stress, repeater. Like stress me out like that and making me think that she like brought it. Okay, well that's fine. It, it's, it can make a repeat on because I love it's this. Cute. You know, she's she's got the denim jacket on. Her hair is like twisted or braided in the front. I it was it's either a sloppy ass braid or it's a twist. I I'm not love, sure. I don't love that. I don't love that either. But I think that it's a look. It's it's kind of like Hazel's. It's like I'm not, eh, but you know, it's because I think it's not very flattering it's, on her. But well, okay, I think it's I think the rest of the outfit is very flattering because her hair's not made to do that. I feel like 
Like that's it's not, not. It's that's why it looks that's sloppy. What it is is it's sloppy and like frizzy, and it just kind of makes it all look like dirty and messy. <laughs> it's not, and it sucks because the outfit is cute. But then the outfit like, is cute. She was feeling herself, but and then I also like because I I noticed Paige has this red blouse on, and mm-hmm. I I could see there was a pattern, but I I was I had to pause it to see it's like a honeycomb pattern. It, yes, she's all she can never wear just like a like a plain shirt she's got to wear something fancy it's got to be something fancy um but then also hazel's uh she's got a studded neckline 63 uh numbered t-shirt that she shredded the shoulders of and she wears this shit like three times no lie and i had to check is is um fucking page in a different shirt she is after the big show hazel's just suddenly back in that shirt like why no one couldn't like continuity wise maybe maybe that's one of the ways that Paige is coping is just like trying on all her clothes that may it's actually only been like six hours but Paige has changed like eight times because i mean if you think think about it look at what ashley's wearing and i can't really pick out everything just looks like a black swath but i did like her um her boots her platform boots they all as a foursome look adorable like it's oh yeah not I said, even yes. adorable. they look so badass i have one more oh, before yeah. pms yes and I, that's I have one after that pages um lettuce lettuce sleeved and hemmed blue top and her slit um, jean skirt. And she's got like mm-hmm. wood, like cedar plank platform heels. It's it's in the music room. It's uh, the outfit that they're doing when she basically curses Terry out for wearing, <laughs> for wearing the outfit from last year and curses, um, curses Ashley out too. I think that's the same outfit, all the same outfit. JT with the rainbow wig and the mascot, mascot outfit. All right is such a good look for jt specifically it tells you a lot about who he is it does it It speaks to him well also where did they get such a clean mascot costume Mm. that was all i was thinking last night was i was looking and i was like there is no way that neckline would be that white that pristine and that fresh that's so nasty Uh, oh yeah uh, okay oh gosh I think about stuff on that level, but I think it, that's a good segue from, I mean, Fashion Corner. I I really, uh, the one cap I have is like Ellie's hair is somewhat of an improvement from the last time I roasted her last yeah. episode. It's an improvement. I think while she's got like a bunch of braids and strands going on, it's only in two ponytail it's holders. It's in two ponytails and they're and not I, super I high on her that. head. Yeah, she's, her and, her and Ashley look like, like, goth bobsy twins you know um it it is what it is (laughs) ashley is sporting blue she's cut her hair it's short and it's like black and kind of like curly but short but not a la nancy short it's a la nancy from the craft if you yeah and then there's a bunch of spots that are just blue it's great she's trying stuff she is trying stuff i don't you know, I'm glad that she tries other stuff because, gosh. But I like her boots. I like, I like her, her boots. boots. Um, I I like Ashley's hair. You like Ashley's It's not it's, my favorite hair. It's, it's not her but At least she's hair. not wearing funky, junky hats yet. Oh, gosh. 
She looks she looks like someone I would have let ruin my life in high school. Aww. That 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 is just true so facts. cute, Charlie. That's fine. I'll accept that. All right. Are we ready to now though transition into the B plots? Yeah. All right. So let me run you through the B plots, boys and girls. They're very intense. Um, as we know, there's major overcrowding going on at Degrassi. And so JT and Toby have volunteered to share a locker, uh, because JT thinks it will win them points with Radich. (laughs) It's not going well at all. Um, and they have some fight about it. And then the other B plot is that Liberty's still crushing on JT, even though the fact that he's like awful to her. Mm-hmm. So she makes him the subject of her media immersion presentation and then ends up committing some petty vandalism, uh, drawing on a locker. Um, and I love that's actually one of my favorite moments just because of the line delivery on you. She like yeah. draws on his locker and throws the pen on the ground and she's like, fun enough for you. Yeah. And it's great. And then I think, does she awkwardly run away? She like stomps away. It's not a run. It's like a shuffle. It's like awkward. Stomp shuffle. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like out of the two B plots, the second one is the more interesting, but the yes. first one, I mean, you know, Toby should have known. My only thing with this is like, Toby should have known that sharing a locker with JT was going to result in a lot of bizarre bodily related bullshit. Like, come on, you know, you this already guy. know how he keeps his room and his locker. Uh-huh. And I mean we've seen his locker before. We've right? seen that you pretty- see his locker. That and everyone like right him and Liberty appalled like as he's looking for that fucking Pringles can for that um for that contest. It's definitely like this is documented behavior that this young man has not yet got a handle on his hygiene nor the way he keeps his spaces. So, come on now. Right. And I mean, I, I, it's obviously, I feel like it's not stated, but it's, I'm pretty sure that's what happened, that it's JT's uh, idea to share the locker because he wants to be on Radich's good side. It was JT's <laughs> insistence and Toby kind of just went along with it. What's, what's kind of frustrating thinking back to is like Toby having that knowledge to having that knowledge that JT is a slob mm-hmm. and after Toby and JT's horrendously awkward shoving contest yeah radish shows up and is like now let's go back to the three c's i'm assuming he had that conversation when they first signed up to share a locker like right was it co- cooperation coordination whatever that yeah. should have been a discussion how they were going to keep their combined locker there should have been a strategy of uh, meeting because honestly i think that they know. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. They're going to be so, to you be know, fair, to be fair, maybe that conversation happened more in depth off screen and Radich was just, that was the wrap up. There wasn't a lot of time to devote to the B plots in this episode. Yeah, no, they, uh, they, that was not the main concern, but you know, highlights of course, uh, when they are feuding toby says okay whatever is over this line is your locker whatever's above this line is my locker and or my space and your space and one of uh toby's his sweatshirts uh sleeves is like hanging on to jt's space and so jt takes it upon himself to cut the sleeve which is very petty 
I would probably do it too. If I was, <laughs> if I wanted to be, pe- it's, it's super petty, but you know, of course uh, they have to right, talk it children. out. They, they, they redeem them, you know, not redeem themselves. They redeem their friendship. They keep it because there's a threat to uh, Toby basically saying, we won't be friends anymore unless you figure this nasty ass shit out. Um, towards the end, uh, JT offers his sleeve or no, JT cuts his sleeve. Um, and basically and, says, my and, parents are going to kill me. <laughs> so JT still he, has he, parents. JT still has he parents. He lets Toby do it. Does he let Toby? I thought he might have let Toby he, do it, but he like. Yeah, he pulls his sleeve in and he, he gives Toby the scissors okay. and lets Toby. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. It's a cute little it. moment for them. And it's, it you is. know, it's. It is much needed lightheartedness and brevity and yes brevity because they're they love each other they're friends and of course i mean th- first of all what is that nasty ass shit that concoction that jt thinks is he gonna eat that like i'm genuinely like he puts marshmallow in oh, it crafted yeah surprise. yeah that whole oh my gosh it's like it's a little bit like i'm glad i always think like i'm just <laughs> I'm just glad that I'm not squeamish because we're like food play like that. It can get real, like the sound, it can get really nasty. <laughs> Craft dinner, marshmallows, lemon, and cheesy poofs. Well, and that's uh, just the stuff we saw. And now. then blended, yeah. blended, mashed it's up. Like yeah, it's tossed. <laughs> yeah, he, he has two wooden spoons yeah. and he like tosses it in the bowl. Yeah. Choices were made. Choices were made. He is really like the just the nastiest little little boy he's still a little boy <laughs> he's canceled <laughs> did you say he's canceled he's canceled for that concoction J- alone. jt does continue to have parents too into the second b plot he does um, he still has parents because his mom essentially threatened uh, to send him to boarding school or military she's a school real yeah. battle axe a battle axe <laughs> I think it's really cool that like media immersion like Snake is also being like I want you to like learn about something you're interested in Mm -hmm. and you're gonna learn media immersion because you're gonna you know have to put together a PowerPoint or whatever we're doing this week it's a lot of PowerPoints it is I mean Sean does his on um it's a biography on a motorcycle so. Yeah. The yeah, the person who invented the motorcycle. The person who invented. See, I'm glad you caught that detail because I was just like, I'm glad you know they just showed the the ending of his presentation, but that's valuable for someone like but Sean. But like, you know, we need some oversight, please, Snake. If if because... there had been a check in process of let you know once you come up with your topic, rough up a couple slides, show me your slides. Let's talk about. <laughs> There's no review process. Or he should have shut that down. He's laughing right along with everybody. He's laughing right, right along. Like, so many like... He's literally there's. I mean, there's many photographs that I think are very funny. But there's literally a photograph of him as a smaller child covering up his nipples, and in like a well, a, and a, like a pose with a, a, a like a rubber tube around his um, waist, <laughs> like it's. In a speedo. In a speed, right, in a speedo. Who bought their child? That battle axe bought her child a speedo. Well, no, I have to assume yeah. that that was Ryan Cooley's parents who bought him a speedo. 
I, of course, Caroline. <laughs> Ryan Cooley's parents, please write into the pad and tell us why. At what age did you start why were these child in speedos and why? Why were these photos available to be sent to Degrassi? <laughs> so yeah, Liberty is, I think this whole, like, I think the reason why Simpson's not, you know, calling it off is because he could tell that it's like admiration. However, just because he can tell that, just because that was Liberty's intention, doesn't mean that's how JT is going to receive it by having his fucking baby picture splashed well, all over the classroom. Well, it doesn't mean that's how his peers are going to deal and with And right, it that's not necessarily what the, what, like all the laughing was not the same. <laughs> and like you work in a middle school, you should know this way. He should. And the fact that it's like, you know, I think that he just phones it in this episode with, or at least this B plot. No, yeah, this episode, because he doesn't, <laughs> there's just not that he's one of the kids. He's just laughing along with the kids. I think it's a little weird, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you know, it, there definitely needs to be more oversight in these matters because this could have been prevented. Uh, you know, Liberty's whole like JT retrospective would have just been sidelined. Like, no, you got to actually do a biography on someone who wants a biography done on them. Who's not like a peer of yours. Like, no, but uh, of course that results in JT. <laughs> coming out of a bag on liberty and he's a dick he is a dick he you know all of them that whole scene but uh the scene with emma and manny he gets shoulder checked by three girls i loved that i yeah, love that whole girl oh, like manny calls him a freak liberty just walks in brushes him off and i think emma calls him like a loser and yeah they all like brush him again brush brush against him and walk away because he does this whole like you know, mocking voice of her. And it's like, oh, and sometimes even my parents like me. Like he says a couple mean things. Before, yeah. But that's, but that's literally, that's the one that's like, damn. He's like, I have friends, 10 textbooks. Mm -hmm. Oh, and sometimes even my parents like, yeah, he's a little shit. You know, I, I obviously he's just not happy with him being the butt of the joke, even though he's always right. the butt of the joke. It's just, it's a different dynamic. And yeah, their little exchange at the lockers is hilarious because Liberty's, her, her deface, she just snapped, man. She just snapped. It almost looks like she's trying to like draw an anarchy symbol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fun enough for you. It's, so it's a great exchange. Then, there's some good fucking burns tossed back and yeah, forth. Yeah, I wish I had written more of them down, but there's like so much. What's good about their relationship is that it does evolve through this. Yeah. And, you know, they gain a new sort of dynamic as to where he's not like, not even repulsed by her. He doesn't feel the need to like throw her off of him. He doesn't feel the need to be so antagonistic towards her anymore. On one hand, both of the B-pots are very weak, but at the same time, they're also, like, cute and wholesome and wrap up nicely and cleanly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In an episode where we could use a little bit of that. Absolutely. And, and I mean, they're, yeah, it's very hard. Both caps are heartwarming on the B-pot. Yeah. I wouldn't even necessarily say that they're, they're weak. Because again, I think it falls into like, these are real emotions. These are, to a certain extent, pretty real experiences you could go through. It is hard to pair something, though, with the severity of the other half of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's why it's like, it's not, you know, there is that joke, uh, <laughs> that the episode, we all know the episode. It's like, 
oh, something happens at Degrassi involving something rhyming with bun. And in the B plot, Joey sells his house. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. just like... <laughs> That was actually the inspiration to me for the Roses and Red Poems. Mm. Was somebody made a post about him on Valentine's Day, and that was the one that I wrote because people joke yeah. about him in the group all the time. Yes. Because it literally says, also in this episode, Joey sells his house. My first ever <laughs> Roses or Red Poem was Roses are Red, Snake is Spike's spouse. Also in this episode, Joey sells his house. <laughs> Beautiful. And a beautiful history of the Roses are Red poems. <laughs> beautiful. Because, like, honestly, that's it, do, it doesn't feel quite as, like, tacked on as, may, as that. Be they, and be but, like, and this is a school where kids are having other problems. Other problems, yes. And I think, I mean, and it's good because it's like, these are still two of the same people from the last B-plot, but it's, it's a little bit different highlighting other students having other problems while not trying to take too much attention away from Paige. So you're, you're just hopping onto the same characters and expanding a little bit and providing a little bit more humor. I think it's fine. There's something about how inconsequential and low stakes the other, the B plots are that I think is very intentional and well done because like when you go through something earth shattering and the rest of the world is just doing its mundane shit i the morning after my best friend died my husband and i went out to breakfast and we got there because we needed to eat and we just couldn't cook you know and we got to the restaurant and it was packed and he said something about it and it took me a moment and i looked at him and i said oh it's just saturday like, because it had not even occurred to me that, like, everybody else is just going out to breakfast because you don't have to work. The kids don't have school. Somebody's kids are fighting over the pancakes and whatever. And, like, your world has ended. It's definitely and so I a, love that. I love that that's. And I think it's a good they thing to do. Well, and I think, you know, coming back to the, like, everybody else's world is still turning thing is that, like, I think there was probably, you know, and I, I didn't have that experience at that age, but I can imagine that like that feeling of everybody else's shit still happening is, is universal. It's not just a you thing. It's well done. It's respectful. It's, it's a strong episode. Oh my gosh. What the fuck is this doll? <laughs> it, like it looks like doll? a leprechaun. <laughs> It looks like a, like a leprechaun with it's got like a flannel on. What the fuck? We're gonna need to get a better picture of that because that's gonna need to be shared, guys. This is the f nightmare fuel. This is nightmare fuel if I've ever seen fucking night. If this bitch is in the so corner, terrifying. this bitch is in the corner. I love horror movies. So literally, some some of these horror movies I go to sleep watching. Scream. It's a lovely horror movie that I will fall asleep to. Final Destination. I'll fall asleep to that. However, I love what the fuck is this bitch? This bitch, if this bitch was in the corner of my room. <laughs> no, like, I don't fuck with creepy dolls. I'm not dolls. fucking with no. that either. I don't fuck with it either, Carol. No, I don't fuck with creepy dolls. Me and Chucky and I, oh. probably the only creepy ass doll that I could fuck with is Chucky because... I'm gonna convince him that you don't need to kill me. We could just be friends. Like we could just right, be like I'll help you fuck shit up. I'm not like, gonna can, do murder, but like I'm not go gonna do murder. Bars. We can we can You need another accomplice, Charles Lee Ray. 
<laughs> you just have little lights. Joey, is that us moving the shots fired? Shots fired. I think, uh, yeah, I think if any, you know, that, yes, let's talk. I think that's a good segue. It's a great, <laughs> it's creepy ass fucker. This, this is the creepiest doll I've you seen think? in the long time. What are her shoes? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's because, I'm guessing that that doll is in their house because Ellie has an even creepier doll in her house. Oh right. <laughs> what oh. is this like Phantom of the Opera music room that <laughs> Ashley's mom is just letting her have? Oh my god, and she's not concerned. No concern here. You know, she's got all of the you know like curtains drawn. Like, oh my gosh, it's just a phase, mom. <laughs> it's not just a phase. Like what the fuck? Oh gosh! But oh, shots Oops. fired. Um, shots fired. So one of mine is at the very beginning of the episode when Paige is looking at Dean and Hazel says, "Ain't never gonna happen." Mm-hmm. And Paige says, "Ain't never." That's a double negative. You're a double negative, <laughs> and you're raining on my love parade, right? The, the conviction <sighs> beautiful beautiful line delivery um you're a double negative is like the real the burn yeah there. the burn you're a du- you are a, you're yeah, a I'm gonna double hold negative to <laughs> mine is close to that scene it's uh it's in kwan's class when of course terry you know they say terry's lyrics are going to be the song <laughs> lyrics or her poem for kwan's class and you know i it's a very repetitive poem, but one of the last lines is, uh, I wish I knew just what to do. And, you know, Spinner's To make my it. secret wish come true. Oh my gosh, to make my secret wish come true. But uh, <laughs> the my shots fired is um, when Spinner says, because my poem smells like poo. <laughs> 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 and Ode, it's like, don't you remember you were in love with Terry like last year? <laughs> young man <laughs> well then she threw up <laughs> she did she did throw up um. i one of mine was also around terry's poem and i like i still use this insult to this day mm-hmm. and honestly it's how i would describe a pop star that i'm not gonna name because i don't need that fucking toxicity in my life <laughs> but Paige says of terry's poem it was sweet in a rhyming dictionary sort of way. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. pew. <laughs> so my next one is, I think it comes, yeah, my shot's fire too. It's before the third one. Um, Liberty says, I'm edgy, JT, I'm on fire. And JT says, you're on something. <laughs> like- <laughs> Which also, I love, I... I knew that that was a Liberty line because she says it a couple seasons later. She does. And it's iconic. I didn't realize that that was like a line that she uses. Yes, I Liberty say what? <laughs> like, oh yeah, you say that before you, the iconic part, you know, yeah. She's edgy, she's on fire. JT and fucking Liberty zing each other so many times mm-hmm. in the second part of this and my absolute favorite one is it's it's a long in as they're kind of fighting in front of the locker jt goes you're boring b-o-r-i-n-g and liberty just comes back with i'm stunned jt spelled a word yeah and then he 
Then he just goes, you want another one? Fun. <laughs> F-U-N. <laughs> Something you wouldn't know if it came up and bit you in the butt. <laughs> Fun enough for you? <laughs> she snapped. Just... She snapped on that. She bit you yeah, in the it's, butt. There's some really strong middle schooler burns. Yeah, they hold up. I mean, damn. I don't know exactly who I'm firing shots at here. Probably Ashley. No, it's not Ashley. I think it's like the writers for these fake ass movies that Spinner is picking up for his date with Paige. <laughs> I wrote them down. Tender Emotions, Love and Stardust, Mm-mm-mm. and Breakfast in the Sun. Those don't even look good enough for like Hallmark Channel. Just going They by don't. And I have th- one yeah. more. Go ahead. Um, Me too. I think you. I think you said it um, earlier. You were like, "Is this a shots fired?" I was like, "Of course." But um, Hazel hangs. Uh, like she holds up a sign that says, "I can't sing," yeah. and Paige is like, "Hun, you're not that bad." <laughs> and so she she flips oh. the the sign and says, "Polyps." When Liberty's doing her her presentation and she opens up right after she puts her first slide of JT. I'm JT York here to talk to you about my all-round favorite subject, myself. <laughs> my other burn is that Hazel, or shots fired, is that Hazel's been taking voice lessons for three years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so yeah. I believe that that voice teacher is shooting shots, firing shots at <laughs> Hazel's parents by continuing to take their money. Right. We do have a couple of Huns. We do. We have obviously in the Hazel can't sing. Mm-hmm. The page says, <laughs> you're, not you're not that bad. <laughs> um, and then also in the first episode, when Hazel's like, Ooh, you and Spinner are going to be going on a date, whatever. And she says, Hun, Spinner and I are just friends. So why do <sighs> you have to fuck up Terry's chances, bitch? True. True. Terry's over there, like, obsessing over fucking contests and shit. And getting her hair badly braided, and you're just <laughs> you know, like you could have just given right? her. You could have just let Spinner be fair property. Um, so should we talk about our shining stars and our super bummers? Let's do, let's it. do it. So let's let's I have a super yeah. bummers out of the way. So obviously it it goes without saying that Dean is a super bummer. You know, we're not going to get into it. He does come back. So that's why he doesn't fall under the whole plot device thing to move right along. (laughs) I think that I would, I'm going to throw in like most of the grade sevens on my, or my, they're not grade sevens anymore. The grade eights on my super bummers. Cause all these bitches bum me out. JT, Liberty, Toby, Emma and Manny. You guys all suck. <laughs> Wait, what are Emma and Manny even doing? Okay. So yeah, they're not really... so they, they literally pass by, they brush by JT. Emma says loser. Manny says free. Oh, so and I, they didn't bum me out there. They they bum me out because of like the aggressiveness with the way they said it. Like loser, freak. Like it was just a little aggressive and it did bum me out. I would I would give an honorable mention to Spinner. He doesn't know just how bummer he's being, That's but he's true. being a bummer. My shining stars were Hazel and Ashley. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm gonna give an honorable mention 
on the Shining Star because it's not much. It's definitely not Shining Star worthy, but I think, again, it, it speaks to this character really well. When Snake sees that sees that Paige hasn't done her, even like the write-up and research for her media immersion project, yeah. he's a little snarky, he's a little whatever, but he, he immediately recognizes, like, this student is going through something. Right. I'm going to give her the the leeway that she needs. Yeah. And I think in that same vein, I mean, obviously it's not a lot, but I did smile at her acting and the character at the very end when Ellie came up and put her arms around um, Ashley and Paige and just said, you you guys were robbed. You know, you it sucks that you only got an honorable mention. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought it was a, it wasn't yeah. a, it was a sweet moment. I thought that that was a sweet sentiment her entire redemption of her voice. And I thought that that was something that did shine to me. Like, I know we were speaking, you know, about chills, feeling chills in the scene. And I think it's just like the, it's the eye contact. It's the owning of this is the situation and I'm a fucking star and I'm going to fucking say what I want to say. And I don't care who's hearing it, you know, kind of thing. So not in the traditional sense, but she's, She's a, you know, she's a badass. So I think that she does something, deserve some mention here. Something that I remind myself of when when something traumatic happens to me is this thing is going to change me. And I cannot do a goddamn thing about that. But I have every say in how. And I think that in that moment, Paige is making a choice. And Paige is deciding how this is going to shape her. And not entirely, you know, there's a lot to process, but that's like the first step in her making a choice. And I love that for her. So with that, I think we can yes, no answer on this one. Avis, yeah. did it uh, go there? Does it go there? Um, yes. Does it go does there? Does it go there? It's, yes. It goes there. Yeah. It goes there. It go- it fucking... if, if I may, yes. Degrassi. It goes there. Yes. You, yes. I'm glad that yes, you, you may. You may. <laughs> Thanks for listening to your mom's podcast. Join us next week to talk about low self-esteem and the dangers of making weight in mirror in the bathroom. And then Ellie begins her walk down a long and winding path of guys who aren't quite right for her in take my breath away. This episode of your mom's podcast was made possible in part by Pantene JT's fancy enhanced craft dinner and support from listeners like you. Yay. I always want to say thank you. If you'd like to further support our show, you can follow our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at YMPadcast and TikTok at your mom's podcast. You can also visit our website at www.padcast.com. Your mom's podcast is available on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel so inclined, subscriptions and reviews are another great way to support the show. And, if you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash yourmomspadcast. And remember, that's Padcast. P-A-H-D-C-A-S-T. Thank you. We'd like to take a moment to say thanks to our Patreon subscribers, Abutz, Octavia Faith, Margo Mancini, and June Bard. Thank you.